Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest today is the hilarious comedian Natalie Burdick, and her spark is the utterly bonkers viral short Too Many Cooks. If you haven't watched Too Many Cooks, A, you missed out on the 2014 zeitgeist, friend, and B... If you're going to watch it now, buckle up. It's weird and amazing, and it'll break your brain. Uh, Now, a little housekeeping before we dig into the interview. There will be no new episode next week. I am taking the week off because it's Labor Day weekend here, and I want to take a little break. But I'm going to drop one of my favorite past episodes into the feed to tide you over. And... There's tons of great stuff coming up in September and October. There's going to be the Spark Parade Down Under, a little mini-series of chats with amazing Aussie and Kiwi musicians, including Genesis Owusu and the incomparable Ladyhawk. I am also going to be covering Fantastic Fest, which is the largest genre film festival in the United States, and it is presented by Alamo Drafthouse. This is a film festival that specializes in horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action, um, and uh, a lot of other kinds of movies from all around the world. So it is going to be a blast. And I've got a couple of Spark Parade live shows coming up in New York City. Very exciting. Many more details to come about all this stuff, but I just wanted to whet your appetite a little bit. So now that I've got you all riled up like a seven-year-old on a sugar high, uh, let's get on with the show. Quick Natalie facts. Natalie Burdick is a singer, songwriter, and comedic actress from Dexter, Michigan. When the pandemic hit, she returned home to Michigan and began writing comedic songs out of boredom. She decided to upload a few to TikTok, and immediately they started going viral. Natalie describes herself as the female Lonely Island. Her unique aesthetic and zany lyrics set her apart. Quick Too Many Cooks facts. Too Many Cooks is a surreal dark comedy short that originally aired as a special during Adult Swim's infomercials block at 4 a.m. Eastern Time. The video begins as a parody of opening credit sequences from 1970s, 80s, and 90s sitcoms, crime dramas, soap operas, Saturday morning cartoons, etc., etc., many other genres, with each of them gradually bleeding into the next. Particular focus is put on a slasher film villain who is hidden in the background of several early shots but eventually starts killing the other characters. Uh, sounds pretty crazy, right? After its original airing, the piece became a viral video online. So, there you have it. Let's skip on ahead to the good stuff. Here comes my chat with Natalie Burdick about Too Many Cooks. 
The standard first question is, uh, do you remember seeing too many cooks for the first time? Yeah. Um, so most people's origin story with too many cooks is that like they were high and their friend like put it on. Um, <laughs> but for me, I was actually sober in a room full of people who were not. And um, my friend was like, oh, we're, I was a freshman in college and we were in a dorm room and she was like, oh, we got to watch this. It's like, you're going to trip. It's so crazy. And I remember everyone like just got like dead silent at first, you know, like at first we're like, ha ha ha, like this is silly. And then, you know, once the scene happens where they go around the table and like more people are introduced, all of my friends were like freaking out. And I'm sitting there just having this like incredible experience. I was like transcending. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? You never knew what was coming next. And I think that's like a big part of, um, I don't know, like why I loved it so much is watching my friends' reactions to it and knowing that they were out of this world high and like not knowing what was going on. And I was just the only one who could like understand it, I guess. Since then, I've watched it probably, I don't actually even know, like probably like 20, 30 times because <laughs> yeah. it's just so fascinating and you see something new every time. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first experience with it. Pretty fun. It's... um. One of these things that it's like, it's kind of hard to know <laughs> what the entry point is because it's so, it's it's not like it has Easter eggs. It's like an encyclopedia of Easter eggs. And there's, like you said, there's so much stuff to catch. And I think the more you know about it, the more you're going to really pay attention to every single second and try to see all of the things that, you know, other people have talked about or whatever. Um, But uh, Casper Kelly, the guy who directed it, has said that he thinks the experience of watching it when you're high and when you're not are two very different things because like when you're high your sense of time is a little you know like everything's a little off you don't really you have to like check your watch to see how much time has passed and sometimes movies <laughs> seem like they're going on forever and with something like this where if you're watching it sober it kind of fucks with you and you're like what is going on it's this endless song like changing to a million different settings and then it morphs into something else and whatever so i can imagine watching this when you're high just being like i am i'm stuck in this for the rest of my life i'm never gonna get out of this <laughs> it's like purgatory but like in a weirdly good way like i've i've never heard of anyone at least in my friend group who had a negative experience at least like the whole thing wasn't negative. They, there was definitely a point for everyone in the room where they were like, when's it going to end? Am I okay? <laughs> yeah. But I think there's something like calming about it because it's so nostalgic too. It plays with, you know, like the 90s, 80s, 90s, like sitcom like theme vibe. And I think that is weirdly calming for some people. And then it brings in the horror and the darkness later. And it, I mean, when you watch it for like the 20th, 30th time, you know, you start to notice they bring in the, oh, what's his name? The killer, the guy who, the murderer yeah, yeah. really early on. Yeah. Like it's like the third minute or fourth, like it's really early. And um, it sort of like prepares you for the darkness. Like when you, when you're watching it again, cause you're like, oh shoot, I didn't realize he was there like the whole time. Ugh, I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. I read that there's also an oil painting on the wall that he's in that it's just like he's you know kind of lurking everywhere and yeah. looming presence <laughs> and i guess that's the thing as well is it's like this kind of nostalgia loop where 
even if you haven't seen the TV shows that it's referencing, it's still familiar because they're all tropes. It's like things that you remember from sitcoms and things that you remember from cop shows and from science fiction and whatever. Um, so it all feels familiar and that's like really funny. But then all of a sudden it's like takes this turn and there's this horror element that comes into it. And then it takes another turn when the woman who's running away from him is like, you know, on set and it's it like running through all of the sets and it kind of that's jarring because it's like, oh, this is acknowledging that it's, you know, something that's being filmed and this person is not aware that this killer is going to be there and he's an actual killer who's coming to get her. And all of that, I, the first time that I watched it, I was like, this is suddenly really scary and, you know, <laughs> kind of horrifying. <laughs> it breaks out of its own reality. 10 or 11 times, maybe even more, honestly, it's just constantly subverting expectations and asking like, and what I love about that is, yeah, it could be seen as a parody of like lengthy, you know, uh, theme songs for early sitcoms, but it's also so much more than that. And it's like says so much more by subverting those expectations. And it's just like pure unadulterated chaos at a certain point. And I, I just, I think there's something so funny about absurd comedy and like not really having something to say, but also by doing that, you're saying so much. And it's just so funny to me. Oh God, I love it. Right. And it's so packed with stuff that I think people interpret it in a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of stuff on Reddit. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. floating around with people having like very complicated theories about the meaning of it and might perhaps be reading too much into it. <laughs> um, but uh, it's so insane and bizarre and there's so much to it that it really does lend itself to a million different interpretations. But the way that it does parody those kind of um, cliches from TV shows, I think, is so effective. And also other things that kind of morph, like what's the like smarf, the, you know, the puppet, um, <laughs> then turning into like the Terminator and then kind of existing outside of the sitcom TV world and like trying to press the button to like get everybody out of that world and just seeing all of this angst and um, upset that all of these characters who kind of seem to be trapped in this infinite loop um, are going through. So it's a it's an emotional roller coaster. Absolutely. Something that's really cool to me about it, too, is it was um, WandaVision was inspired. The director of WandaVision, I believe, was inspired by Too Many Cooks to make it, it makes sense because, you know, if you've seen it, the it's not a parody, but the, but using those sitcoms and going through the years mm -hmm. to tell Wanda's story was incredibly interesting. And it was absolutely inspired by Too Many Cooks. Found yeah. that out the other day and I was like, huh. Yeah. And also... <laughs> Uh, the, the parallels go through that whole show because it's, you know, having each episode in the beginning represent a different decade of TV sitcoms or whatever, and very slowly seeing the cracks where it's like something else is going on here and... This isn't just going to be an entire series of just doing cute little parodies. People are kind of looking like they don't really, you know, they know that something's kind of off, but they're not sure what it is. And then obviously that progresses into a much broader story that involves an entirely different world outside of it. And yeah, you can see that it's it's not exactly the same thing. Obviously, Too Many Cooks is much weirder and shorter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't know that. That's that's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. But also... It feels to me like one of the best examples of the kind of democratization of content creation, because 
there's so much more room for weird stuff. Mm -hmm. And before the internet was a thing, it was like people had to really know people to have access to equipment to film things. And that was so tightly controlled that something like this would be really difficult to get made. And, you know, you could maybe do it as a student film, but it definitely wouldn't have had the, the reach that it does. So it's like content creators and purveyors of content creation allowing room for that, especially Adult Swim, which, you know, does a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. But also the internet allowing this to just go everywhere when it started airing at four o'clock in the morning. And then all of a sudden it was just like everyone had seen it. Yeah. It was, it was a break of, for me, it was, you know, I was 18 and I'd always seen, I don't know. I was very, I wasn't a sheltered kid, but like, I definitely had an understanding that comedy had a lot more structure to it. And then seeing this nonsense like before me and like cracking up and loving it so much and the fact that like like you said it was a viral video i think that was just really inspirational it sounds silly to be like that was the most inspirational thing but that started a whole explosion of absurd comedy i mean click hole mm -hmm. was definitely in its peak at that point and it still is it's incredible and just this idea that comedy can be absurd has, has always existed, but it wasn't as um, mainstream as like that, that genre wasn't as mainstream. So this kind of broke the, I guess, like the wall for or like whatever was keeping absurd comedy back. It like helped push it forward, which was really awesome. And yeah, like just the, the lack of rules was really inspiring. Like you can break, create your world that you're living in and then break all of those rules just instantly it's so inspiring and cool i mean they're really saying like the sky's the limit at a certain point like you can start out parodying sitcoms and then and throw in a bunch of intelligent easter eggs and then <laughs> expand it into absolute chaos and nonsense i think chaos is the real word word that when you boil it down yeah and it's just chaos <laughs> yeah totally and also thinking about what comedy traditionally was that it's you know people can be bizarre people can do things that are you know not in line with what you would expect from like you know normal stand-up or normal sketch comedy or whatever but it's still kind of uniform that you know what you're getting from someone when you go in to see them and with this it's like and with all absurd comedy it's like saying comedy doesn't have to be one thing and it can be silly and it can be upsetting and it can be you know it can take you all over the place in and it's like 11 minutes long and it goes around the world and back again like really an insane amount of stuff crammed into this short period of time and i think it also just shows that there's an audience for things that are unusual. There's an audience for comedy that goes outside of the realm of, you know, the expected and and the things that people think are the things that people want from comedy. So it opens up a lot of doors and it makes you feel like you can also experiment and do weird things and there'll be an audience for you. And I mean, <laughs> you, you in meaning you, but also you <laughs> in the broader sense of the world. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 so exciting. Yeah, it's it really is. It was groundbreaking at the time. I remember being not really realizing it, but knowing that that's like what I wanted to do. And it's cool knowing that that I mean, that was what, six, seven years ago. And and the funnest part about it is showing it to other people who haven't seen it before. That's the big thing. I think it that is like watching people's faces while watching it is 
just as funny as watching it yourself, you know? It's truly just like stood the test of time. (laughs) I really, really enjoy watching it. Yeah, I definitely appreciate the pleasure of seeing something before other people have seen it and then being able to watch it again and like know what's coming and see their reactions. (laughs) I always have to almost literally bite my tongue to not go like, oh, there's a really good part coming up. (laughs) Like, you know, just letting people have their experience. My uh, my husband gets really annoyed with me if I've he doesn't like to watch things with me if I've already seen them because he feels like I have too many towels and that I don't have a really good poker face, you know. Uh, he'll, he'll like look out of it, the corner of his eye and I'll be like grinning like oh here it comes even if I'm not saying anything so um it's so hard to hide like if you like something and you're sharing it with someone it's like you want to make sure they experience every moment and they don't miss it like it's so frustrated when people like don't hear a line like the funniest line like oh wait wait, wait. Shh, you gotta hear it <laughs> I'm that person but like I don't care you gotta hear it you gotta experience it the way I experienced it the first time Right. And yeah, it's selfish and personal. I'm making it about me. But I think I think it's I love watching other things like when people show me things and they do they do the same thing. It's there's something so magical about watching something that means so much to someone and like seeing the look on their face when you get the joke that I don't get annoyed by that type of person. <laughs> either. You know, like I do it and I also don't get annoyed by it. So it's just a joyful experience. Like it's just a good thing, I think. Yeah, totally. I, I find that kind of enthusiasm to be infectious. Like, you know, <laughs> um, it makes me feel more excited about what I'm going to watch, assuming that I have the same taste as the person who is telling me about it. Because sometimes, you know, I have friends who it's like, we don't really agree on things. And I'm like, you have mm. to see this movie. And then it's really terrible. But when you know that you're on the same page with someone, you can kind of trust their taste. Um, it's, yeah, seeing that they're like, oh, here comes something good. is like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. The other thing is just the music. I read that the people who wrote the, the song that they said it's the hardest thing I've ever worked on because it's just like starts out just being kind of a repetition of the same thing and then changes style, changes tempo. And there's all these other considerations, but it's basically, you know, there are breaks, but it's like basically one long 11 minute piece of music. And just thinking about that as a musician, like trying to make something that's funny, but also catchy that's going to be like an an earworm that's stuck in people's heads after they watch the show which obviously happened um but yeah that was a huge undertaking as well yeah the 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 funniest i i love the transition into uh cooks in space the the musical transition specifically totally um and also the 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 cops transition my favorite line from the whole thing is i couldn't face these streets without you like like he's like singing about like it's so funny i love it favorite line of the whole thing but their transitions are incredible and um also a little bit that just sticks out like a sore thumb in the best way is the eagle to the the i don't even know what building like a government building (laughs) do you remember like the, the it's like the same shot like four times of an eagle and then building, eagle building with like a fade <laughs> yeah. and the music behind that is like bump, ba dum ba dum bump, bump, like really like governmental and ridiculous. Just imagining these people switching over to like full brass from 80s synths right. <laughs> like in the studio. Like yeah. imagine that you're like, you probably have to hire a buddy and like play a full like 
brass section for this stupid 30 second bit of a, an eagle government building like what it what it's ridiculous yeah. but it's so good yeah i also read that they that was really difficult like getting the bird turning to camera right and they were insistent they were like this is so funny we have to do it and um it took forever and that, that's another thing like they were editing it for a year it took like two or three days to film and then all of this time like just this kind of long torturous process getting it right and it paid off in the end but i you know making something that's that weird i think they were really worried the whole time like is anybody gonna watch this <laughs> and the director as well has said like the stuff with the killer before you you know see explicitly that he's a killer he was like should i have like red arrows pointing to him like i don't know if anybody's gonna watch this more than once so um you know just like really making it clear to people or should i just leave it and then you know ended up making the right decision in the end because it's so much better as like something that you can watch back and go oh my god there he is it's like starting way way earlier than i thought yeah that's that's exactly like little did he know people would be watching it over and over again and i feel like before i thought he popped up later and mm. then i watched it i remember watching it again and i was like oh my god like there he is like that is the intent behind it it is meant to be watched more than once i mean i we actually to to prepare for this day uh i watched it last night i think yeah mm. last night with uh my boyfriend and he was like i don't remember this scene being in it did they put a new scene in it there's just so much to see and if you don't watch it more than once you just you miss it um yeah I think that's beautiful i really do yeah, so many different kinds of scenes and also so much technical stuff to think about. Like the thing uh, that you mentioned at the beginning where the camera's like spinning around the table and there keep the you know, new people keep popping up, that was not special effects at all. It was like people running away after the camera gets to them and someone else taking their seat. So they had said that they did it like six or seven times and it kept like, you know, somebody would get stuck on their chair or something and they wouldn't get out of the way in time. But doing that practically without any effects is a huge crazy undertaking and thinking that they did it in a couple hours or something is is pretty crazy it is i love watching there's a kid on like the i think it's like the third turn or like the, i think the second or third turn there's a kid who you can see he's like very still and i think they had i i, I don't know this for a fact but i think they probably had to rush in freeze hmm. and then like resume motion once the camera started so that there wasn't any like because if you think about it, if they're like rushing to get into their seat and then immediately start moving, there's more chaos. So I think they were like freezing, waiting. <laughs> and then like when the camera panned to them, they started acting like normal again. Right. It's just so funny to think about what it looks like filming it on set. <laughs> I yeah. wish I could have seen it. Yeah. And also just thinking in something like that, that's like a continuous take. And if one person messes up, it screws up the whole thing. So like you said, I'm sure people had to like sit down and not touch anything or move anything because if they like, knock something over it's going to mess up the whole thing as well so and especially for a kid i'm sure it's like <gasps> i yeah. can't do anything to make this go wrong <laughs> yeah. he, who knows yeah maybe he just did it himself because he was like i know i'm gonna move around i'm gonna mess something up he's so cute yeah. i love that little part <laughs> yeah and that also is like the actors you know there's so many people in this and it's almost all cast from extras in atlanta and the luck of finding people who, you know, sometimes people who are extras are not necessarily actors. They're just, they do it 
for fun or something and they're good at just kind of being in the background but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a, a great actor when the camera is like focused solely on you and I think everybody in this is just so like spot on really gets the humor and even if they're it's only like a three second shot of them it's it's perfect it like really encapsulates whatever thing they're supposed to be referencing yeah they're really I mean all of those people are talented and they're very lucky they got a really good break oftentimes many people who are extras at least from what i experienced i was an extra on the marvelous miss Maisel season three and everyone there wanted to you know they wanted to be an actor they wanted to be on the big screen but you know they're just doing extra work to sort of meet people and like try to find a way into the business i mean that's what i was doing and so all of these people who were extras now have a viral video under their belt, which is in this day and age something. I mean, that's the equivalent of being on a TV show with like a featured role. Right. Honestly. Yeah. So that's really cool for them. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times people who are doing background work will literally just be in the background and you may or may not see them. It's like a flash and that person will recognize themselves. But, you know, people who are watching it, unless they're looking out for a specific person, probably are just going to see a bunch of faces and they're concentrating on the main characters. And because these people were the main characters, like there there aren't any other actors that have dialogue or, or anything else. Yeah. It's a pretty cool showcase. And I guess a lot of, um, a, at least a sizable chunk of those people are from some improv troupe that is in Atlanta. And then they later did some kind of Too Many Cooks musical takeoff on stage as well. So Okay, that I didn't know about. I guess <laughs> I, I need to write that down. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know if there's any footage of it anywhere and i only saw one mention of it um but i think it's another quite short thing that was like 10 minutes long and um but um it's pretty cool and i think the people who created it either i don't think they were involved in in uh the people who created the uh the film i don't think they were involved in creating this live show but i think they went to it maybe don't quote I, me on that part <laughs> well i will be looking that up because i i did not know that that's a hilarious i mean i mean there's just so much so many good things that came out of it it's such a silly little long sketch <laughs> there were i mean i feel like it should have received more acclaim than it did i thought i mean just from a critical standpoint i really thought it was groundbreaking for comedy more so than it was i mean it wasn't awarded anything major and like other than virality which is great um or at least it wasn't i feel like it wasn't given the recognition it deserves by critics if that makes sense yeah now now it's coming out but at the time i feel like it wasn't yeah um received critically as well as it is now yeah uh ryan johnson who directed like knives out and um whatever star wars movie he directed um <laughs> at the time <laughs> he said he thought it should have been nominated for an oscar in the short film category yeah um and it's like stranger things have happened. So, yeah. Truly. I mean, Boss Baby, I think, was nominated for a, <laughs> for an Oscar. So why can't, why can't Too Many Cooks be nominated for an Oscar? I know, right? It's heartbreaking. But yeah. it also makes it, I mean, the fact that the general public appreciates it, like, makes up for that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think, I mean, it has people like him who stand by it 
who create incredible works of art. I mean, Knives Out were great. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. And there's so many. There's a video that I just watched of like Billy Eichner and Zoe Deschanel like singing the song together. <laughs> that is like you know something that they put on their social media. But um, the fact that it, the the reach of this thing was so wide, there were so many different people who got to see it. So you know, it's not an Oscar, but <laughs> at least it uh, has touched a lot of lives. Yes. I think that's almost more beautiful in a way because who needs an Oscar when you have millions and millions of views on YouTube and a cult appreciation? But it's not even a cult at this point. It's like, you know, at the time it was a cult. Like uh, back when I was watching it in my freshman year of college, we were a cult of people watching it, right? But then now it's like everyone knows it and everyone most people like it. I think my parents were very confused. Um, but other than them, like almost everyone in my life is a fan. So yeah, I, uh, in one of the interviews I read with Casper Kelly, um, somebody said, has your mom seen it? And he's like, my mom really loves me and she really wants to support me, but I don't, I don't think this is for her. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about so many things that I make too. That's, that's so, that's relatable, honestly. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a generational gap. They, I think with the structural comedy that existed in, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s, going into the sitcoms of the early 80s and 90s, I think boomers to an extent were used to structure. Mm-hmm. And when you throw this absurd, I mean, I, I tried to get my parents to watch Nathan for you, <laughs> which is another, you know, absurd, yeah. surreal kind of dark sometimes comedy it's it's hilarious and they were like pissed they didn't like it they were they didn't get it they were like why is this guy messing with everyone (laughs) and the point is that he's throwing he's putting all these different labels it could be satire it could be parody it could be you know he could have a point but he really doesn't it's just for the absurd it's really i i truly think it might be just to expose like human nature and kind of make people laugh but also show the kind of weird, quirky, uncomfortable reality of being a human. And um, my parents were just not having it. They were like, nope, this isn't funny. We don't get it. And our generations are like changing that and creating more absurdity within comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Too Many Cooks is just as inspired by like David Lynch and Charlie Kaufman and, you know, totally bizarre but not very comedic filmmakers um inspired by those things as much as it is by other forms of comedy or you know making fun of tv show cliches or or whatever yeah so yeah it's a pretty incredible thing yeah i i'm really glad you appreciate it the way that (laughs) i know we all do now but yeah definitely um i feel extremely satisfied this was so much fun yeah no i love doing this i love geeking out about about stuff so this was just a great great combo (laughs) yes definitely um thank you so much this was this was so much fun yeah this was awesome thank you for having me on i'm just so happy to uh to have met you and now i have a new podcast to listen to every day so not every day but (laughs) (laughs) every other day or how many days a week twice three just just once yeah so once every wednesday Every Wednesday. Well, with with me catching up on it, now I'll have a bunch of content to consume, which will make it every day. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. at, le- at least for a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
awesome. thank you. Yeah. Um, well, great. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. That was great. Thanks again to Natalie for making time for me. You can find her on Instagram at Natalie Burdick and on TikTok at Natalie Sings Songs. Okay, quick inspiration of the week for me. The second season of The Other Two just started on HBO Max this week, and it's so fucking funny. I loved the first season, which premiered on Comedy Central way back in January of 2019. So now it's back after some obvious COVID delays, and it is funnier than it was before. The official blurb is that it's the story of two floundering millennial siblings who must grapple with their 13-year-old brother's overnight fame, and uh, lots of other stuff happens. But basically, it's hilarious and silly and brilliantly written, and Molly Shannon is in it. If that's not enough to sell you on it, I don't know what will be. So uh, check that out. And that is about it. Just a reminder that I am off next week, back the following week with tons of exciting stuff. In the meantime, tell all your friends about this show, post about it on your socials and tag me. I'm at Spark Parade. Uh, and other than that, be good. Have a great holiday weekend if it's a holiday weekend where you are. And until next time, bye. Could it be the giant pink dress? <gasps> you didn't like what? You didn't like a Jimbo outfit? How dare you? I know. Hi, I'm Mijan. And I'm Nick. I like to call myself a semi drag race expert. And I've never seen it before. So join us on our podcast, Whispering Hunties, every week for drag race expertise. And the exact opposite of that. Either way, it's a geeky. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, brrr. okay. Get How out. could I possibly take your no. cute cats that keep walking <laughs> all over you and making know. me wish that I had a My pet? Sweet little and debris. Get, get out of this podcast. I need a door slam like <laughs> right now as I throw you out of the house. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.